In this Scotswehe podcast, I talk to artists Oliver Cook and then Callum McClure about their exhibitions which are on at the Scottish Gallery in Edinburgh during September. Oliver is a sculptor who has created the most beautiful objects using alabaster and Callum is a painter inspired by the urban landscape of Glasgow. Both um, give fascinating insights into their work and inspirations and I hope you enjoy our conversations with them. Hello everyone and welcome to another Scotswehe podcast and this time I'm joined by artist Oliver Cook to talk about his exhibition Form and Light which is on at the Scottish Gallery from the 2nd to the 25th of September. Hi Oliver. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. I'm really well. So it's interesting, how I've been having a look at your work. Um, how do you describe it to people like myself? Um, I think I describe it as very um, simple, just very, I use uh, just everyday objects as a, as a starting point, just to see how they would um, look and feel if they were made using alabaster. Um, so I think I quite organic, soft, uh, sort of curved pieces. And uh, you, the use of alabaster interested me because it's not something that you hear much of these days. Is that just mm. that you don't, it's not used a lot or is it something that it is, but people don't realize it? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it's a, it's a very common material. Um, I've, I hadn't come across it many times before I started using it. Um, the few times that I had seen it had been in uh, sort of museums. Uh, so I've seen a few exhibitions um, at museums where there'd be really, really old um, vases and things made from alabaster. Um, so that those were the sort of reference points I had um, before I started using it in my own work. Um, and, and the, the exhibition is called Form and Light. So for you, how do the two work together? Yeah, I think because all the all the alabaster that I use is translucent alabaster, so it does have that um, that property of uh, taking on light and being slightly uh, translucent. And it, it's having read through um, about the exhibition these are not just objects that are there to be viewed, they're there to be touched and, 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 and interacted with, for want of a better word, is that right? Yeah, so I thought, um, so last year I, I made a piece that was a, a basket that had a handle. Um, and I just thought it's quite a, an interesting uh, concept of being able to move something around the house and um being able to place it and change where it's laid um around around the home um and i just quite i often make pieces that i'd want to have in my own house and so it's just uh i just enjoyed the interaction being able to carry it around and how do you think i love the idea that your house is full of these beautiful objects <laughs> not anymore because they're all they're all in scotland <laughs> they're all in scotland yeah but um how do you think that the interaction changes the object? Because it, it got me thinking about 
Um, often when you, you, you buy a piece or you view a piece of sculpture in particular, you think of it as almost set in time and literally set in stone, but actually mm. interaction changes it. Yeah, I think, um, I think being able to uh, interact with it and move it and carry it around, um, there's, there isn't a, a sort of permanence attached to it like there is if it was a, a, a painting that you, you might hang on the wall. Um, you can, there's a bit more of a, a relationship between you and the piece, perhaps, if you can move it around the house at various times of the year, um, or just pick it up whenever you like. I was thinking about um, kind of extreme versions of how people interacting with sculptures changes them. And in Edinburgh, there's uh, the statue of Greyfriars Bobby, the dog, and uh, people have been rubbing its nose for luck for many, many years. And they've had to kind of say, stop doing this because you're gonna take its nose off after a space of time. But there is that kind of, if you uh, have an object around the house for any length of time, they'll start to be uh, maybe a little bit of damage, a little, a little bit, and it will change the object. Yeah, I think so. I think um, obviously you do have to be uh, a, a little bit careful um, because it is, a quite a soft material yeah. um it's not um like strong colors and oils um may impart onto the stone um but i think generally i'd rather enjoy things and them get a little bit bumped and scratched rather than never using anything and keeping trying just trying to keep it pristine i'd rather um i'd rather they um are I have a few marks on them, but they've been enjoyed for a long time. Yeah. yeah. And also that's the form, if you like, but the other side of the equation is light and light is constantly changing, constantly moving. So even if the object is in one place, it will change with mm -hmm. light, as you say, especially since the, the uh, material is translucent. Mm -hmm. So how do you, uh, I mean, people go to the exhibition can see for themselves, but then how do you choose to um, exhibit them? The, the, you must have a thought about how they're lit, how the, the, the space is lit and all of those things. Yeah, um, it, so in the room, there's there's two large windows. Um, so I think I'd, I always see them uh, in a, a home sort of setting. So, placing them in a gallery um i think they i think they they look it's really really nice to see them in the gallery and i think they look um it's such a beautiful space um but i think they they always look more at home um on a windowsill or somewhere like that that you would actually have them um in around your house house um and there's a there's in the in the gallery there's a uh a fireplace so one of the pieces is placed on the fireplace um to sort of show how it might look at home that's interesting was that when you set out to uh, make your work is there always a sense that this is to be practical and not simply um something to to sit and be admired um so, so certainly with some pieces um i think it's I, I have a few pieces uh, within the, the exhibition that are more sculptural forms, uh, the arches. Um, they were sort of an expansion on the, the way we handle uh, bowls that I've made. 
um, just because I like I really like the uh, the sort of arch within the bowl. Um, but some some pieces are designed. You, you could have maybe dried flowers or something in the vases. Um, I've got two pieces that are hanging on the wall. Um, I've got, I made some wooden hooks uh, to hang these uh, two bowls um, on the wall, um, which would be more more of a permanent um, uh, fixture, I guess. Um, but yeah, some pieces um, there's just such a, like a tactile nature to the to the stone it's just uh it, obviously when when you see a handle or something you kind of inherently want to pick it up almost yeah no absolutely and that's like looking at them you know the idea that it's not just that you want to use them but you do want to to pick them and feel them and, and, and kind of get the sense of them yeah so here's a real non-artist question from someone but how do you decide what you're going what it's going to be when you've got a block of stone there Mm -hmm. you have the idea beforehand that this is going to be a bowl or a piece of sculpture or whatever it might be or does that come while you're working on it um when i first started doing it i i was just um i was just hacking away the first the first vase ever made i really didn't have a, an idea of what i wanted to make i had a rough idea of the vase but i didn't have a clear idea of what how I wanted it to look. I was just having a go using using the material. Um, but now, uh, because there is such a high amount of wastage, you remove so much material to get to the um, to get to the final form. That I have started to plan um, how because I buy them in I buy the stone in slabs, right. so I plan out each piece before I start working with it just so I can kind of fit everything together so I'm not wasting as much material um, but that, that and sometimes the form does change uh, due to there might be some cracks or some surface markings from the quarrying process so that does impact the final shape but um, I try to assess all the imperfections of the stone before I start working with it now um, which is it's it's a lot of trial and error. It's, I don't think I'm uh, doing things the most efficient efficient way as possible, but I think it's it's just a, a large learning process. Um, and how does that process work? Are you saying you're getting the slabs from the quarry there for they're almost individual each time, are they? They've all got their own little markings or or things like that. Is that correct? Yeah, so um, I buy all my stone from a stone yard down in Dorset, um, and it's it's hard to see that you can see some veining um, on the outside. There there is some um, areas that you can really see uh, some quite pronounced markings, but you don't really see the finer details until you are um, almost at the at the polishing stage. Um, so. Yeah, there's so the, um, did you ask what the process was? Yeah, sorry, yes. I, I did, yeah. and then I went away. I suddenly had a thought about the stone itself. But yeah, absolutely. Um, what is the process? Um, so once I've once I've ironed out the final form, the shape I want to make, um, then it's 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 just a gradual process of going through. I'll drill out the 
the hollowing out of the vases and things, that's the most uh, laborious process um, because it's quite hard to hollow out material. Mm. So I use drills, um, die grinders, angle grinders, just to try and remove uh, as much stock as possible. Um, then when I'm sort of approaching uh, the point where I move on to uh, rasps and um, files, then that's when I'll just do everything from hand by hand because it's really easy. It's quite a soft material. Um, it's sl slightly softer than marble, um, but harder than soapstone. Right. So it is, you know, you can always take more off, but you can't put you can't put more <laughs> back on. Um, so yeah, then it's just a, a a really slow process of using rasps to gradually refine the shape. Um, before moving on to uh, uh, sandpaper to polish it. So when you were beginning uh, to, to work in this way, you know, if someone's a painter and something goes wrong on the canvas, then there's a, it's easier to get another canvas than it is perhaps to get a full new block and, and start working that way. Were there a, mm -hmm. was a, a, a frustrating learning process? Was there a lot of um, you know, broken pieces that just couldn't, you know, you had to start. Um, I've, I've only broken one. Um, it's, but it's, it, because it's such a slow process, you've got to do something wrong or be doing something wrong for quite a long time before it really impacts the shape. So you can, you can take a little bit off and then a little bit more. Um, so I'm always measuring, checking, Sometimes I'll have uh, two or three pieces on, on the go at the same time and I'll maybe stop working on it for a little bit and then just kind of take in the shape, see where I want to go from there. Um, or sometimes I'll have um, just a lot of drawings. I'll take a lot of measurements, take a lot, make a lot of drawings. I have the rough, the rough sort of silhouette. Um, I've bought... Um, I recently bought some clay uh, to try and model uh, some of the um, asymmetric vase forms because they are quite difficult to think of in your head. <laughs> uh, certainly, sort of, I want to experiment more with a, uh, with a more sort of undulating surface pattern. Right. And that's really difficult to think of just in my head and, and tra translate from drawings. So I think in the future, I'm going to maybe have um, example patterns that in clay that I can then use as a visual reference so that I'm not practicing on the, the final product almost yeah. um, because it is the, it's quite an expensive material. and I, yeah. I, I don't want to waste any of it. Um, um, and so how did you get into sculpture was that something that you wanted to do from the beginning or was it something that you've kind of found your way to it's something i've found my way to um i've always always been interested in making things all through school outside of school um all throughout university um i always i my all my dream job was always to be a furniture maker and okay. i'd i'd uh I'd always I'd, I'd made a stall uh, a few few months before I started uh, working with stone 
I've tried casting things, um, metal work, I used to make like carved spoons and things. So it was almost a, a natural progression to try using stone. Because um, I, I, I started using stone after I saw work by um, Isami Noguchi and Hannah Eschel. Right. Um, and I'd been to, um, I'd just been to an exhibition in Kettle's Yard in Cambridge uh, with uh, Jennifer Lee, um, and it had loads of her uh, vases on dis on display. Um, and the the two sort of coincided at the same time. Um, and I had a look around, and there was a stone yard uh, just what, about an hour away from Cambridge um, in Yelbertoft. Um, so I went over there and walked around this amazing uh, stone yard with all different types. It had marble, um, various different types of alabaster, some that I've just not seen. There's, uh, the first vase I made was made out of rainbow alabaster, which is sort of gray, opaque with really pronounced veining. Um, and I bought, I, that, was, that was a smaller piece, I bought a large piece of translucent. And then from there, just um, continued working with the translucent alabaster. And, yeah, it's just sort of gone from there, really. It's interesting. It sounds like you always wanted to make things, but make things that were functional, that were, you know, that were, yeah, that was a distiller. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I love working with um, natural materials mainly. Yeah. I've always I've been drawn more to wood um, and metal, and I've never been that fond of working with plastic and, mm. um, and those sorts of materials. So I always knew that I wanted to uh, make furniture or do something like that. And I guess one of the things that happens is that you develop as a, an artist and maybe what you've done, you've tried new things, but do you think you've found your kind of medium for want of a better word or, or your material? Maybe that's a better way of doing it. Or will you always experiment with different style things and different styles? I think, I think uh, yeah, I think with stone, I've definitely found my material. Um, I, I, I do want to try other um, different types of stone as well. Um, uh, uh, marble is one that I'd, I'd quite like to work with um, in the future. But currently, I'm just enjoying uh, uh, working with the prop at the property of the translucent alabaster and seeing what forms I can make with it that kind of work and coincide with the uh, the stone. Um, but definitely in the future, I'd want to. Um, continue trying out different materials. And uh, at the moment, is everything concentrated on this exhibition in Edinburgh or are you already thinking about what you might do next or what you might exhibit next? Um, yeah, so I've been really focused on <laughs> uh, getting everything done for this exhibition. Um, and in the future, yeah, I'd, there's a few different um, ideas that I want to um, work on later on this year. Um, I would definitely want, I really want to continue working uh, with the asymmetric vase shapes because uh, I think there's just with vases there's just so much um, potential for variation um, that I think um, I've I think I've made five or six vases so far. So I've, I've, there's a lot there's. I want to kind of look back at some of the forms that I think have, have worked really well and maybe continue and experiment and push those further. Um, and 
I made a vase with a lid sculpture um, and I, I'd like to revisit that and continue working on those forms, I think, for the rest of the year. Fantastic. Well, Oliver, thanks for taking the time to have a chat. It's been fascinating to talk to you. No, thank you. It's been really fun. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest Scotsway podcast. And today I'm talking to artist Callum McClure about his latest exhibition on at the Scottish Gallery in Edinburgh from the 2nd to the 25th of September. Hello, Callum. Hello, Alison. How are you doing? I'm well, thanks. So, first of all, can you say what the title is? Because I don't think I'll uh, make a good job of it. What is the title? No, my, my French is um, is non-existent, so I'm probably not going to pronounce it very well. But le tiers paysage, I think. Is and what does that uh, what does that mean in translation? That means um, the third landscape is the translation, um, and it's. I, it's kind of a concept that I was painting before I came across the term. Um, so it's suburbs, um, it is landscape, but it's not maybe a traditional idea of landscape. Um, and and this, uh, the title being in French is from um, an idea of a landscape architect Right. French landscape architect, and it's it's his um, his term, so that's why why I used it. Well, that makes sense. Now, I mean, having you know seen your work, that's absolutely the kind of third landscape. Before we go into detail, how do you um, describe your work to people uh, when they ask, you know, what you're working on? It is always quite difficult because I don't, I maybe don't like being pigeonholed as a landscape artist because. You know, people maybe have a bit of a pejorative, you know, um, idea of very pretty uh, landscapes and not that there's anything wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I, I like to, um, so it's difficult to describe actually. Um, I usually just describe quite plainly what the pictures are themselves, right. you know, if it is, some, you know, a view overlooking a, a train track as there are in this show or um, a botanical garden that have been in shows previously. Um, but I, I don't know, I've, I've not really come, a, come up with a quick way to describe yeah. anything. Catchy term, <laughs> catch old term. Well, exactly. it's interesting because it is, I mean, they are um, urban uh, landscapes, particularly of Glasgow, um, which, you know, really is of interest to me because these are streets that I walk as well, and particularly the last year, walked them quite yeah. a lot. Um, and, but a lot of the, the, the imagery, it's kind of where um, nature is almost man-made, isn't it? It's that kind of thing. Where, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah. So this this is the, the concept that um, uh, Gilles Clément, the French landscape architect came up with for these parts of the city where nature kind of it comes into the um, into the city it might be embankments it may be next to train tracks um, but it isn't it isn't a garden and it isn't a wilderness either and nor is it farmland which is obviously used for um, you know, humans use it for because we need to eat. Um, it's it's these other places, maybe forgotten spots uh, next to rivers, for instance. Um, and there are 
yeah, all all different parts. I mean, Glasgow is a great, I, mean, I presume all cities are great for that, but yeah. cities that we know, city of Glasgow is great for that because yeah. um, I used to live in the city centre and sometimes you'd go for a walk and you'd discover something like an old underground station, you know, near the Glasgow Green, or you would walk down the, the side of the Clyde, you know, heading out east. And nature is almost not just fought back, it's taken over, you know, it's become the prominent yeah, exactly. type of things. Yeah, 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 definitely. It's it's that thing. And um yeah, especially here in the, the south side, there are all these the post-industrial um landscapes some of which are yet to be built on, some of which are being developed. Um, so it's, it's where all these things kind of meet that I'm interested in. Um, and yes, the, the, the places that you may walk past and not think very much of because they're not designated as anything in particular. Um, they're quite, they can be quite innocuous, if you like, um, spaces. But nonetheless, of course, with the post-industrial ones, with their own history and um, yeah, they're, yeah, kind of full of uh, potential, you know. And but I also quite like them as they are. So. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And I think you know, so it's clear that you're finding um, beauty in places that a lot of people would just walk by and never maybe think twice about. When did you start looking at your city and perhaps further the world like that? Um, so the, the idea for the show to be roughly based on, on suburbs was something pre-COVID, but I mean, being here, it kind of intensified that, right. um, you know, going for walks daily and um, that my walk from here in the south side up to my studio in the Barras, um, along these, the suburban railways, along, as you say, the, the Clyde, um, yeah, that that and be, being around the subject as well constantly was yeah. uh, was something that I've never really done before. Usually, I'll I'll go to various sites and I'll take photographs, I'll sketch a little bit, and then I'll go back to the studio and you know I'll, I'll make an exhibition from it. But this thing of of constantly being around the subject daily was something quite different this time round. And you would see it, I presume, change over the seasons. If you were doing that over yeah. the period of time that we've been locked down and, and going, you know, walking here, there and everywhere, then there's been huge changes there as well. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, it can look very, these places can look very overgrown. Um, and in the summer when it's, you know, everything's green and it's very full and then in the winter when everything dies back. Um, and also, you notice what we do do to these places, especially uh, next to the railway when people, for instance, in Strathbungo just now, there's a couple of those lines which have had maintenance work. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't know, some people might not notice that type of thing, but when you're, <laughs> when you're there photographing it every day, um, yeah. No, no, that's right. That's very true. And I suppose when you start looking with the artist's eye, for want of a better word, then the, these things do start to kind of maybe um, jump out at you. But I do think as well, everyone will have interacted more locally recently than perhaps at any other time. So they will see, um, you know, they'll maybe start to go to parks 
that it's almost yeah. the spaces between the parks that, that are the interested one. It's not the areas which are kept and tended and all that stuff. It's the little side paths, the, um, what was the term? Somebody I know did, uh, you know, they would look at, it's the, the geography of a city that, other, that people make rather than that's yeah. built originally, you know, so people yeah. take a shortcut and that wears things away and all of that. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, these, as you say, the, the paths through um, places, you know, there's, if there's an angle, people will will cut it and, yeah. yeah. So um, how do you, how's, what's the process for you? You mentioned taking pictures and sketching, um, you know, do, as you're on your walks, are you looking for something that just jumps out at you? Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite haphazard. Um, uh, some days I do go out with my, uh, my bigger camera and I'll be purposefully going out to, to photograph and to look. Um, other times it can, I'll just photograph using my, my iPhone. Um, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be a high quality image that I end up painting from. Um, and yeah, it's, 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 it's like that. Uh, and then I'll print those out, go back to the studio. And sometimes I like to lay all the photographs, out, you know, say 20 or so photographs on the floor um, and have a think about which, where I want to start. Um, you'll see in the exhibition, there's quite a variety of technique. There's some that are much more representational. Uh, there's some that are more abstract and that that process of looking at all the images I have, then I start to maybe decide this one would be would be better expressed in a more abstract way. This in uh, in a more kind of literal and uh, a more real, realistic style, let's say. Yeah. Yeah, because there are some that I looked through, I went, oh, I wonder if I'd been there, or I wonder, if, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So, uh, but there are others, as you say, they're, they're kind of abstract and almost, uh, almost dreamlike, almost like uh, you don't expect them from an urban landscape. You know, there's there's more trees, perhaps, than you might expect. Now, of course, this is yeah. trees, I don't know, but yeah. there's something about them that you're maybe not expecting when you hear the term urban landscape. Yeah, no, I, I guess I'm I'm still drawn to the the natural, to trees, to um, so yeah, kind of I do still gravitate to that. Although they are urban trees, if you like, um, yeah. Do, do you have um, favourite parts of the city? I'm thinking that you know, uh, on in your. Uh, description it's like the edges of the urban landscape I took that not to mean the actual edges of the urban landscape but you know where yeah. um you know other urban it's being fought against if you like with nature is that a kind of good way of thinking yeah I think when you when you start to look deeper you do see um that it's not just you know it's not just trees it's you, there's also the birds. Um, I remember one time next to the Clyde, there was, I, don't, I don't know what type of butterfly it was, but there was, um, you know, thousands of, I should have got more photographs of that actually. Um, so it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's all these things as, as well. It's not just a kind of superficial yeah. um, nature. It really is things live in there, you know, um, 
Yeah. I was thinking about, I don't know if you saw it, there was um, a little brief footage during the first lockdown of a deer that made it onto Buchanan Street. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and was wandering about. And you see, you see yeah. if there are no people, nature will find a way of uh, coming back. Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah, I guess the classics, you know, foxes that um, I remember when I was um, living over in Govan Hill and going to play football on a Wednesday night, I would there was I would always see this fox or usually see coming back from from playing football, you know. And um, yeah, it's just these these things are there and um, yeah, part of the city. You've reminded me actually when I lived in High Street in Glasgow. Um, I used to get up, I used to work in restaurants. I was up really early. And there was one time a fox was coming down right down the middle of High Street. Absolutely gallus. You know, you could almost see the shoulders going like this yeah, is yeah, yeah. this time of night, I'm in charge of here. And I think that's yeah, right. Yeah. It's great to see that that's the case. Yeah, no, and, and they really, yeah, as you say, they don't they don't mind it that you're there, they're just going about their business, kind of thing. Yeah. So um when it comes to uh putting on an exhibition like this. Do you work with the exhibition in mind or do you then have to kind of have a lot to choose from and pick things out? What's the kind of practicalities of it? Um, so usually, yeah, I'll, I'll work with the exhibition in mind. Um, there are a few outliers in the exhibition. So there's some work from when I've been in Italy and also some of Greece, but they yeah, as I say, they're, they're kind of outliers that I've chosen to, to pull in to the exhibition. Um, but usually, yeah, each, each thing that I'm working on, um, I know will form part. There's not, there's not much left out at the end. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Most and, pieces in, in it. And uh, you mentioned at the beginning that, uh, you know, when people say, oh, you're a landscape painter, they've maybe got the ideas of rolling hills and, you know, yeah. stags and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. you think that people are looking at uh, the urban landscape increasingly, that there's more of people like yourself that are deciding to um, perhaps paint uh, what was usually thought of as, as ugly, for want of a better term. Yeah, perhaps, although... I mean, I guess, I mean, the last show at the, at the Scottish Gallery was John Eardley and, you know, yeah, she yeah. painted, I mean, figures, but also, you know, parts of Glasgow. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I, I guess there's there's always been limited amounts of um, people being inspired by the, the urban landscape. Yeah, that's true. And Scottish painting. Um, but it's not maybe what comes first to mind, it's maybe more, uh, you know, fishing villages or highland kind of landscapes. Um, I, I guess what a lot of people wouldn't think of Glasgow artists who paint Glasgow, um, it's more figurative that, yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. I mean, they, they might get yeah. Glasgow and stuff, but that's, you know, whereas I think there's no, it's all landscape with you, isn't there? There's no people. No, there's no, there's, there's, there's one, I get this right. There's maybe one where there's just figures are um, hinted at in one of the paintings, but there's no, no, there's there's no obvious, you know, uh, figurative work yeah. in the show. And uh, yeah, you're right. Joan Eardley's uh, exhibition, yeah. 
kind of showed both, didn't it? It showed kind of the urban stuff and also latterly the, the, the stuff up the east coast of Scotland. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So um, I was noting that uh, when I was looking through your biography that you won the Joe Lomo Award, Painting Award, back in 2011. And I was yeah. thinking, does, do such awards in the art world really make a difference? You know, I know they do in books and in music. And is it the same type of thing? Yeah, I mean, it was, I mean, it was a lot, it was a lot of money to win at that time. Yeah. So it really let me, you know, focus more on my practice. Um, and yeah, I guess with it came a bit of, you know, a bit of attention um, press-wise and, and others. But yeah, I mean, it, it was a, it was a, yeah, it was a big thing to win then. And as I say, just that focus on your, work um is is huge and i think this was hugely helpful at that that period of time um, for me um, yeah. yeah it's interesting because it's not something in terms of painters i think i'd thought about before but i guess yeah of course if there's a, an award that goes with it yeah exactly that's it i mean it's that it's a struggle at the yeah. at this particularly at the beginning you know um you're i think at that point I'm trying to remember if I was still working in kitchens and stuff in Edinburgh so um, I was painting on like my split shifts and stuff so yeah. Uh, the amount of artists I've worked with in kitchens it seems that's <laughs> the natural <laughs> habitat of the, the painter <laughs> and sculptor I think is in there it's interesting. Yeah. Um, so what's is all your concentration focused on the exhibition or have you thought about what you might do next? So I have I have another exhibition um, with a gallery down south, Candida Stevens Gallery, um, and that one will be more focused on um, trees in, in particular and particularly botanical specimens, uh, this idea of planting and people bringing back botanical specimens to um, to Britain to, and to Scotland more particularly, yeah. Oh, that sounds fascinating. Yeah. Fantastic. No, no, just I'm looking forward to getting, I, I know to mention uh, the Glasgow Print Studio as well because um, a lot, only six of the works are made there, usually printmaking's a you know, a big part of my, my practice and um, just because of because of COVID, we've not been able to get in there much, but looking forward to getting back in there um, because, and it's a huge, you know, social uh, part of my artistic career, so, yeah. yeah. You know, that's something I hadn't even thought about because I guess, non-artists like myself, we think of it mainly as being a solo, lonely, you and a canvas or you yeah. and whatever it is you're working on. And it is that. Yeah, um, yeah I'm sure. A lot of the time, yeah. But the Glasgow Print Studio and that whole area, uh, which, yeah. uh, you know, is 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 a home for so many artists, there is that exactly. community feel, isn't it? And that would have been right to yeah. leave. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so it's, it's good that that's um, starting again. And there's um, exactly that that community is coming together again, which is, is good. Yeah, fantastic. Callum, so much. Thanks so much for uh, taking time.
And uh, we'll be back soon uh, with someone completely different. Mm -hmm.